Hello, and welcome to Collective Bargain, the labor-focused show brought to you by the Heartland Pod. My name is Glenn Coggy Jr. I'm a union member, political activist, and run my own labor-centered blog, Laborfront. Learn more about me at laborfront.com and more about the Heartland Pod and all the shows from MidMap Media over at theheartlandcollective.com, where you can get shows like the Heartland Pod, Dirt Road Democrat, and more. Plus, you can sign up as a member to support this show, read in-depth articles, and join like-minded folks looking to change the conversation in Heartland politics. Thanks for taking the time to join me. Now, let's get to the show. Hey, it's Glenn from Laborfront. On this week's edition of Collective Bargain on the Heartland Pod, we'll be talking to Bruce Popovich. Bruce is a labor activist, um, a little bit of a historian when it comes to organized labor, and he's been around the block a few times. He's got some great information and great insights. I look forward to digging into it and having this conversation. Bruce, how you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing today, Glenn? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for taking time to come on the show and uh, we're going to get right to it. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. When we first started talking, you're talking about a, a background in advertising, and then three words changed your career path. <laughs> yep, uh, I have a degree in advertising from a big school, Penn State, and I was working in advertising, and one day I heard those magic words, uh, I'm pregnant. And at that point, uh I decided to go into GM because the benefits were awesome. I had a child on the way, and it seemed to be the right thing to do, and I've been there ever since. Man, that's awesome. That's really good. That's good to hear. Um, so how long have you been with the UAW? I've been with, I've been with uh, UAW for 28 years. Wow. That's quite a legacy. Um, you actually have more seniority than me, so um, yeah. Anyway, if we could, we're not getting laid off, I'd be the first to go. Well, you just called me old, so <laughs> I did actually call you old. Um, I started in '96. I worked in the IBEW. Uh, started there mm -hmm. in 1980, and uh, in '96 I made the jump to uh, St. Louis North Assembly. It was a Chrysler plant. We built Dodge Ram pickups, and I worked there till 2013, uh, 2009, when they shut down, mm -hmm. and I was the financial secretary. I'd worked my way up through the union and uh, mm -hmm. left there, and then after that, I bounced around a little bit and then landed a job with uh, the service employees union doing some organizing here in Missouri on the home health care workers, and I was working for them when I got the call from General Motors. So uh, it's great to be back in the UAW. The pay and benefits are great. They're not what they once were. Um, but as you know, we're in the midst of a strike uh, right now. The, we're about on the 40th day, real close to it. And mm -hmm. uh, international president Sean Fain is doing a tremendous job. In fact, Daimler Chrysler got, or I'm sorry, Stellantis Chrysler, Got a little bit of a wake-up call this week when he shut down Sterling uh, Sterling Assembly in Detroit. 
Well, I think what we have right now is we have a little bit of a chess match going on. And we as employees, you know, and we as union members, we need to trust the leadership, plain and simple. Uh, when I hired into GM, believe it or not, my dad was in management, okay? And the very first thing he told me the very first day of work, he told me, he said, son, you're with the union. What the union tells you to do, you support your union. You, they will protect you, and you have to trust them. And that's what I've done for 28 years. I've, I've trusted my union to uh, protect me and to give me a pretty darn good living. I think they've done one hell of a job. Yeah, that was pretty good advice from your dad. My dad's approach wasn't quite the same. Um, he was IBEW Local 1. And when I got in the apprenticeship, obviously he was very happy. And I'll never forget, it's kind mm -hmm. of a kind of a, a sad, funny story. Uh, I went out to have dinner. My wife and I went out to have dinner with my mom and dad. And we're sitting mm -hmm. there. And dad was still working at the at the time with the IBEW. And uh, no, actually, he had re he had retired. My my bad. And we were having dinner. And I said, well, dad, I'm going to work at Chrysler tomorrow. And he said, oh, what does Guarantee Electric have going at Chrysler? I said, nothing. I'm going to work for Chrysler and we'll be in the UAW. Pushed the plate away from the table, got up, went into the other room, and I heard the clunk <laughs> of his lazy boy come up. And mom looks at me and says, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. It'll be all right. And he didn't talk to me for a few weeks. And when he first did, the first thing he asked me was, well, what kind of discount do you get on Dodge trucks? <laughs> well, my dad, my dad was a little different. Uh, he actually wanted me to come into GM. Um, he was in management, uh, actually went pretty far in management. But the one thing that if you ever asked him what he did for General Motors, he would always look at you and say, I'm a Fisher body toll and die maker. And that's what he viewed himself as was his trade. And that is something I will always remember about him. Man, that's awesome. I know it really is. And, you know, dad eventually forgave me for making the move that I did because I stayed active with the union and um, was in charge of politics for the everything east of Jefferson City in the state mm -hmm. of Missouri, which that's our state capital. So I was in charge of half of the state's political action for the UAW and mm -hmm. uh, worked my way up to become the financial secretary before they closed. Then at General Motors, I was there two and a half years. And just wasn't comfortable with the, some of the leadership. And uh, I made the decision to run for president. And I won out of 3,000 votes. I won by 30 votes. Yeah. I, I, I was won. kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> I won by 17 when oh. I was a committee man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know how contentious some of these elections at the local unions can be. Um, they're not afraid to eat their own sometimes. Well, but, yeah, it's it's an adventure. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, but the, the thing can for me, the thing is always still about it's not a personality conflict with one or two. There's a greater good that the unions do. And um, we talked a little bit earlier before we started the podcast. One of my favorite things with the union is how we are able to give back to our communities and the things mm -hmm. that and every local does something a little bit different. The Chrysler local when I was there. We sent care packages. Now, we were there right when Afghanistan and Iraq, those wars started. And mm -hmm. our recording secretary, 
um, had been a grunt in Vietnam and was a tunnel rat. And he put together a care package program and worked with our veterans committee to send care packages, which was a 30 quart cooler jam packed mm -hmm. full of sunflower seeds, peanut butter, jelly, uh, coffee, tea, all kinds of condiments and uh, snacks that were approved. I mean, he knew where to go to find out what we could and couldn't send. Um, decks of playing cards, stationery. And he'd wrap these things up and send them to the troops in Afghanistan and Iraq. Not just union members. Anybody that submitted a name got a package. In fact, I was standing in line at the uh, post office over in Belleville, Illinois, waiting to send a package to my son, who was in the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. lady in front of me set a box up, and she had a child on her hip and a child clinging to her leg. And she set a, set a box up on the counter, and she said, well, how long will this take to get to Afghanistan? And the post office worker weighed it and said, it'll take about three weeks. And she said, well, darn, it's going to miss his birthday. Um, but yeah, we got to send it anyway. And I said, well, mm -hmm. what's, his, what's his address? And she said, why? And I said, our union will send him a package. And we did. And yeah. uh, I mean, it's great. Some of the things that we've been able to do to help our communities, to help our veterans, Every local has something that we give back to the community. I think that's what people don't realize is how much we are involved in the in the communities. Um, if you look at, uh, you know, our veterans committees doing things with the veterans, we have our, our uh, committees that talk that, that work with the cancer people and, you know, give so much money for breast cancer and so much fundraising for breast cancer. You have your women's committees that, that, that help and aid women, you know, in, in dire needs. But there's, there's so many different community actions. Um, and something else that a lot of people don't remember is Walter Ruther was very, very much with the civil rights movement. I mean, that's something that people don't really sit and talk about, but he was. And the UAW was very much behind that type of environment at that time. So, I mean, we have always, we have a long history of being involved with our, with our communities. You're 100% right. And there's a lot of people that don't realize that Walter Ruther gave Martin Luther King office space in Solidarity House. That's the UAW mm -hmm. headquarters in Detroit, Michigan. That's also where M Martin Luther King wrote his I Have a Dream speech. They were very close. Mm -hmm. There's pictures of them marching in Selma, Alabama. I mean, Walter Ruther recognized and knew then that the roots of organized labor are buried deep in social movements. I mean, deep. And they are. Well, yeah. they're buried deep within the communities. Correct. I mean, if I if I go back with my my mom, I remember one day we were talking, and and I was a very young young kid at the time, and she told me she remembered her dad being pulled away from the supper table for union activity because he was the, with the United Mine Workers, you know, and, and literally they came into the house and pulled him away. Right. But th those people made sacrifices that had to be made and they made them for their families and they made them for the communities. Right. I mean, think about, think about everything that we have just in safety roles that are based on what the unions have done. I mean, or environmental rules, everything. There's so much that the unions fought for to aid everybody. And that's what I think people don't understand. 
Well, earlier when we were talking, that's one of the things that you brought up about this strike. This stand-up strike that's being orchestrated by the International Union is a chess match, 100%. And the fight that we're fighting isn't just for us. You know, you and I met on TikTok, um, mm -hmm. where you can find me as Union Man or Labor Front on TikTok. I'll put a little plug in there. But Awesome videos, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, but one of the things that I get from a lot of the people who don't like unions that come on and make comments is that we're greedy, we're lazy, we're corrupt. You know, there's a, a certain segment of our society that struggles to, to stay out of the trouble, I guess is a way to put it. Mm -hmm. But what they're not looking at is that the fight we're doing today benefits every one of them. You know, some CEO didn't wake up at the turn of the century and say, you know what, Bruce is such a nice little boy. I'm going to make him quit going down into the mine every day so he can go to school. That's not how it worked. People well, lost lives. Blood was spilled for the benefits that we enjoy today. Well, if you really want to have some fun, try to find out who funds all of the anti-union labor groups. It is a shell match of, of activist groups that it's so hard to find out where the actual money starts. But my question is, if these people are so anti-union, why won't they put their name out in front of it? Why won't they sit there and say, okay, I'm one of the Koch brothers. I give to this union, this anti-union thing. And by the way, he is. Right. And why don't they sit there and say, okay, fine. Because they know that what they're doing is against what the community goods are. It's against the benefits of the, of the communities. And all they're looking at is to maximize profits. And, you know, it's, it's, it's more of the, I got mine, the heck with the rest of you guys. Right. And, you know, society can't, it, it can't exist that way. It can't, you know, what happens? You, you just can't. Well, unions are to checks and balances against unbridled capitalism. And yeah. that's what a lot of people seem to forget. If it were not for unions, all you got to do is look at some of these other countries where there are no unions or the unions that they do have are very weak or controlled by the, the companies. Mm -hmm. Unions provide the checks and balances that maintain a standard of living that allows we, the people, to have a middle class. And it also well, provides protections for those people that do not belong to the union that are struggling to make ends meet. Well, let's let's put it this way, Glenn. Okay. Whenever we were younger and we had just started in the unions, had you ever noticed what the pay structure was? The union wages are what all the other industries base their pay on. That's what pulled everyone else up was the union wage. And that's what set the market standards for me being a machine repairman, you being an electrician, that person over there being, being a, a production person. It, it was all based on what our wages were. And that's what was good for the community is we brought the wages up. Absolutely right. 100% correct. Yeah, and it's good. I mean, the unions, look, <laughs> unions aren't perfect. I've said it over and over and over. This nation isn't great because of one political party or the other. It's not great because of corporations. Or, and it's not great because of unions. What makes it great is when we can sit down and negotiate a contract 
that allows the big three to continue making profits, to continue uh, taking care of their shareholders, but also recognizes the value of the work that we do on the plant floor day in and day out that is creating their wealth. And it's well, important not to forget that that's how it happens. Well, Glenn, what people forget is when you're in negotiations, you got two people sitting at a table. One wants one thing, one wants the other thing. But in the end, what they have to do is they have to come to an, a, an agreement. One side can't totally exploit the other side. There has to be a middle ground that they have to work for. Why they can't just find it right away, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just human nature. But the problem is each side's pushing. And that's what people don't understand. And that's why these negotiations take so long. It's each side. I mean, it's like when you buy a car. You want it for your price. The guy selling it wants it for his price. And it's the same thing. It's in negotiations. It's the same identical thing. Yeah, and in those negotiations, the guy that's wanting to buy the car says, well, I'll come up in price if you throw in a trailer towing package or different tires and wheels. And the guy that's trying mm -hmm. to sell it is, you know, that, that's how the negotiations are going. You're absolutely correct. And so here we are at the negotiations, and we've talked a little bit about the strike. What does your gut tell you? Are they getting close? How do you feel about these contract negotiations? Okay, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I just want it to be done personally. But right. I understand I understand that it's not going to be an instantaneous thing. Okay? Nothing in life is. There is always time that it, everything takes. Okay? If you want the best deal, it's going to take time. Plain and simple. Right. Um, what I hear on the floor, what I see on the floor is I do believe everyone's nervous. I, I won't I won't blow sunshine, you know, and say, no, we're we're not nervous. We are. Everyone's nervous. It's a very, very, very stressful time. OK, but by the same token, everyone on the floor realizes this is something that has to happen, because if we're going to keep up with inflation, if we're going to keep up. I guess you could say with the Joneses, okay, because other other industries, their pays have gone up drastically, okay? There's one industry I know that's, that's paying their mill rights 44 to $55 an hour because they understand they need those people and they are not out there. Our, our tradesmen, we are a dying breed, okay? But, you know, it's it's a situation where everyone realizes this is a fight that has to happen. If we if we are going to improve our standard of living, if we're going to improve and be where we want to be, then we got to fight. Plain and simple. There, there, there just isn't a choice. And I think that's where everyone is. You're absolutely right. You know, when I first started in the IBEW, um, I'm sorry, when I switched from the IBEW to Chrysler, our pay was almost identical. And as it is now, we're about eight to eight to nine dollars behind the IBEW uh, electricians, and so well, we've here, been losing parity for the last ten years. Here's one to think about: We're trying to hire in tradesmen, okay? Some JITs, journeymen in training. Right. We had a bunch of guys come in and interview. There were six guys that they wanted to hire. All six of them turned and looked at the personnel director and said, you don't pay enough. You're $10 minimum, $10 an hour short 
of what we're making on the outside. That should right. tell you something. That tells yeah. you where our pay is. We what used to be higher than everyone. Right. What it tells me is that I have to work six days a week to make what a journeyman electrician on the outside makes in five. And nobody well, wants here, to a day away from their family if they have unless they have to. Well, we're we're gonna switch switch gears here a little bit. Okay. We're gonna talk about pay. Um, I had talked to you about this, okay? We want our pay raised, okay? We want our raises because we want that money in our base pay. The companies we work for, they want to give us bonuses, okay? They want variable bonuses. The problem is, okay, I unfortunately had to go through a divorce. And whenever I was going through my settlement, my pay is based on my yearly salary, which means everything I make is factored in to make my support payments, okay? It doesn't matter that the money that is there is a variable amount. Profit sharing is not a guaranteed amount. So I can get, ne I can get zero next year, but yet my amount that I'm paying is based on my profit sharing for the last three years. And this is what's what's dangerous to us as employees is it hurts us. We need that money in our base pay. We don't need it in all these weird bonuses and and lump sums and stuff like that that GM wants to give us because they get a nice little tax break when they do it. Right. Nope, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And we get hammered on the taxes, on the bonuses and profit sharing and stuff like that. So, no, I'm with There's you. There's an understatement. <laughs> so I'm with you 100%. Um, buddy, you, you got a lot of great insights, a lot of good information. I appreciate you coming on the show. We'll do this again sometime in a few months. And, uh, you know, we'll see how everybody's acclimated to the new contract. I'm sure it'll be settled by then. And uh, we'll have another conversation. How does that sound? Well, can I throw one more thing out at you? Yes, absolutely. Um, where I'm at, you know, I, you know, we know that I'm in Parma. Uh, we got a lot of boys, boys and girls from Lordstown, from from uh, different plants. And, you know, those guys have gone through the hard times of, of seeing their plants close. Uh, and it's been nice to meet those people. And it's nice to see that these people, even coming into our facility and forging a new life, they're still great union brothers and sisters. And it's nice to see the solidarity that even though all of us, you know, I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh. Okay. I'm not from Parma. So even all of us coming to this melting pot are working towards a good goal for our communities and for our union. Brother, that's an excellent point. And I'm going to follow it up because that's, um, it is excellent. Um, we had four auto assembly plants in the St. Louis metropolitan area. We used to be number two in manufacturing behind Detroit. They closed mm -hmm. down the Ford plant in 06, two Chrysler plants in 09. You walk into our plant and I see people that I knew from Ford. I see people that I've known from for years from Chrysler, both plants. We've got Lordstown people that have transferred in. We have people that have transferred in from all over the country when their plants have been closed. And we do everything we can to welcome them with open arms and make them feel as comfortable as we can. And you're right. You're absolutely right. The people that are coming in love and appreciate the brotherhood 
of being in the UAW. It's a good organization. It's a good union. And it's done a lot of wonderful things for the communities, our members. But also it's done a lot of things to elevate the standard of living for the parts suppliers and uh, people out there like that as well. So, no, that was a good point, and I'm glad you brought it up. I'm going to give you the last word. Have at it, Bruce. Well, one thing I'll say is you threw out there about the parts suppliers. Uh, there's a lot of them that, that we support. And whenever they're in their fight, we'll be right there with them. They're our union brothers and sisters. And I think that's a wonderful thing about our union. And, yes, we have a couple Pittsburgh people down and where you're at, too. So, But um, – it's 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 a wonderful experience, and I've met some wonderful people, and it's nice having a group of people that are all working towards a good goal for everybody. Right on. Right on, Bruce. Thank you for taking time to come on to the show. We'll do it again, and I'm sure there will be other topics that we can cover and maybe get some in-depth history on some of the labor organizations out there that you and I have talked about. Uh, till then, thank you very much for coming on. This is Glenn from Labor Front. I'm out. It's Glenn from Labor Front. I'm out.